In each episode of the Rebel Educator podcast, you'll hear discussions with world-class educators, students, and thought leaders in education as I extract the tactics, tools, and routines that you can use as teachers and parents. I'm Tanya Sheckley, founder of Up Academy and host of Rebel Educator. I invite you to join me for these conversations as I discover how to shift the classroom, the learning environment, the mindset, and the pedagogy to resist tradition, reignite wonder, and reimagine the future of education. Subscribe to Rebel Educator wherever you get your podcasts. Edutech Guys Radio, radio.edutechguys.com. The opinions expressed on the site this program for those who participants are not intended to and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any specific educational entity, sponsor, company, state, or government agency. Hello and welcome to Edutech Guys Radio, brought to you by Southwest Arkansas Education Cooperative and Hope Public Schools. <coughs> we want to give a big shout out to CDWG for their sponsorship through some of the equipment that we use here on the show. We're going to start the show off with a 10-yard penalty for delay of game. <laughs> that wasn't me. I, it was really interesting. It was, it was a false start. It's been one of those days. It has been delay of internet. Delay of internet. For the day. Hey, I'm anyway, Jeff Madlock. I oh, beat you to it. You did. Uh, and I'm David Henderson. Henderson. Hey, we want to... <laughs> <laughs> Welcome so, to the show. You can tell it's summertime. You know what's really interesting is that this is the one-year anniversary. It is, man. You know, last week was almost a one-year anniversary, but this is past the one-year anniversary because, you know, dates don't line up, but... Um, this is the one-year anniversary of our first show. This is uh, episode number 46 of the weekly radio show, not counting yeah. conference coverage and uh, special uh, coverage that we've done throughout the year. So uh, we'll actually start uh, season two uh, next week. That is awesome. If we do Ooh. a year season. We've, we've never really had that discussion. Uh, we just did. I'd and season two kicks <laughs> off next week. Join us live so. next week. And what's going to be interesting about that is we kicked off Edutech guys at a conference for season one. We will kick off season two at a conference. Ah, the hot springs. We'll be at the hot springs. Technology uh, t- yeah. yeah. org. We'll be there next uh, Wednesday and Thursday. Is that right? Yeah, 14th and 15th. 15th so and 16th. 15th and 16th. Yeah, and next, we'll be live. Yeah, next week on the 14th, we're at uh, the Southwest Arkansas Educational Co-op doing a uh, workshop on podcasting in the classroom. Yeah. So if you're still looking for something to do, visit SWAEC.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, click on the old uh, shoebox there, and you can get down and find uh, the workshop and sign up for it. Yeah, absolutely. Come and see us. We like doing, uh, it's fun to get into the room, and we, we like to do part of the workshop as a live show. Yeah. So you have a good time with us, and we show you how to have a great time in your classroom with podcasting. Yeah, absolutely. We were in, uh, we're down in Texarkana uh, yesterday. Oh, yeah. my gosh. <laughs> the time is flying everywhere. We're, we're everywhere. We're everywhere. Uh, but no, we were in Texarkana yesterday and did a couple of one-hour shows, and uh, one of our uh, regular Listeners and, and one of our true friends, uh, Mark, was uh, listening online and he provided some awesome feedback for uh, things that were going on and, and actually helped uh, contribute to the conversation. Uh, and so uh, that was most helpful. Appreciate Mark for tuning in. And really, we appreciate all you guys, uh, anybody who's out there tuning in, whether you're a first timer or you've been with us for a while, we appreciate you uh, hanging out with us. If you would like to participate and uh, come along with us, um, on Twitter, be sure to follow hashtag ETGChat, uh, and we'll be monitoring that uh, during today's show. Um, 
You can also find us at www.edutechguys.com. Twitter is at edutechguys. Facebook slash edutechguys. Uh, Instagram. Plus. I don't know what that's called. It's actually Instagram.com slash slash. Slash. We, we are kind of getting up on our social media game. Um, I will tell you if you're education or taking a listen, uh, jump on Twitter. It's a great place to follow a lot of great educators, educational services, educational providers. It's all right there on Twitter. It's a wonderful place to go and find everything you're looking for. Don't forget to visit our website, edutechguys.com. Drop down to the bottom of the page and you will find a nice uh, contact form. And just fill it out. Drop us some information. And let us know what you'd like to be on the show. You'd like to ban the show. Uh, no. If, you, <laughs> if you'd like to be on the show, let us know. Yeah. Uh, we're always looking for something new and exciting to bring to the educational technology field and uh, our teachers and our educators around the world. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that if you are new to the show, um, one of the things that we do every week is, uh, or we try every week, uh, we will feature uh, a, an independent music artist of the week or artists. Sometimes we do more than one. Uh, and so if you are uh, an independent you know, singer, songwriter, by all means, uh, head out to edutechguys.com. And again, scroll to the bottom, fill out that form, let us know who you are, what you sing, how to get a hold of some of your music, and then we'll reach back out to you. And hopefully uh, we can get you uh, on here featured as uh, an artist of the week. Yay. Yay. <laughs> so listen, we're going to drop right into, we have a very special guest today. Um, uh, I, I I, I don't remember how we met. We'll find out when we, we get into this. I think it was from just, I followed them on Twitter and I found out. It's funny that you don't know about something. You're on Twitter. You're following a, a group of hashtag chats and you find out about something new and you go, how did I not know about this? Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, this is giant. <laughs> yeah. This is, this yeah. is a massive thing going on and I did not know anything about it. Yes. And this is a massive thing going on right here that I knew nothing about. And that is uh, Rokenbach. I'm embarrassed. We're not tech guys. (laughs) (laughs) Turn in your badge. (laughs) But today we are very excited because we have the executive director of Rokenbach here. I'm going to let him introduce himself. Welcome. (laughs) Hi, tech guys. How are you? We're good. We're doing great. Um, My name is Paul Eichen. I'm the executive director of Rokenbach Education which is a, uh, a nonprofit educational organization uh, based in Solana Beach, California, in San Diego County. And we're kind of an odd organization in that we're a nonprofit manufacturer. We actually uh, produce a line, of, a, a student design engineering system and curriculum, uh, which we then provide to both formal and informal educational institutions. That's awesome. That's that is very awesome. cool. Yeah. I, it's funny. You're... I, when I found you, I was like, wow, this is great. And then when um, we got onto the site and we started looking at your website, by the way, the, your website is one of the best websites I've ever been to. Um, I, I'm not just saying that because you're a guest. But it's <laughs> the truth. It's rokenbocheducation.org. R-R-O-K-E-N-B-O-K-E, sorry, R-O-K-E-N-B-O-K, education.org. Um, wow. I was just blown away, and I learned everything I needed to know about your company from there, about your organization. I, it's hard to call you guys a company. You're a company, I get that, but your main product is educating students. I mean, you're about education. That's what you are about. We, we, we started out our life 20, more than 
to go as a for-profit making engineering toys. Mm-hmm. But in the last few years, we we discovered over the first decade of the organization, we started getting all of these letters from parents and teachers and college professors talking about the impact of Rockenbach on kids in uh, in STEM. And so we started studying it back about 2009. We formed some alliances with universities, and we figured out that uh, what we had created was actually more valuable in the classroom than it was as a toy, and we've been headed in that direction ever since. That's awesome. That is awesome. So um, about about your organization, before we move forward, about your company, um, how many how many employees do you guys have? Well, there's not there's just a handful. I think there are only eight of us that come to work every day, but we're kind of a modern company in that um, lots of stuff is done. Like our manufacturing is done offshore. Our warehousing is in Indiana. Uh, we do a lot of contract engineering and contract um, uh, contract curriculum development. So. Um, it's a it's a very modern company in that sense. That's awesome. So yeah. not only are you about education and technology, you're also providing jobs, and that's just a great thing. Yeah. So yeah. that's really awesome. Um, so let's get into it. Let's talk about your particular perspective on technology and education, the focuses that you guys have on that. I know I'm jumping into it, but we, we keep you a tight schedule. I'm the taskmaster here, so I try to keep us to a tight schedule. Um, when we talked about, we talked earlier, I, I cheated. I, I got to talk to Paul earlier. Um, what? Yeah, I know it. <laughs> so, I was not invited. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were talking about, this is the, the big deal here is you guys are about applied STEM. This is what this is about. So one of the things is, so tell us about your approach, how you approach a teacher and a student about applied STEM, like fresh out of the box. You know, how do you, how do you approach that very first opportunity? Well, you know, our approach really came out of the, we had a, a professor that we partnered with back in 2009 that did the original research into what was it that was educational about Rockenbach. And what she taught us was that um, what Rockenbach is really good at is this huge array of, of fundamental fluencies, uh, symbolism, symmetry, correspondence, etc., and that particularly for underserved kids, Rockenbach is really good at filling in these fluencies. And what went along with that is that the, the best time to intervene um, for a child to have an affinity for STEM is as soon as you can. And so we actually worked together to um, continue the development of our system so that it went down as young as kindergarten. So um, you know, that's the... That's the, the the one thing that we're best at is is getting kids to see themselves as designers and engineers and filling in these fluencies. If, if a child gets an opportunity to learn how to do computer-aided design in middle school, but they don't know how to measure, or they don't understand you know, how to flip something in mirror image to, correct, to create symmetry, it's very difficult for them to take up the challenge. Sure. Um, and then you know, what we found is even um, a bigger challenge for us is that if you're going to intervene in a, child, in a child's education very early on, you're going to have to do that uh, with a general education teacher. You don't find a lot of specialized science teachers or STEM teachers you know, in, uh, in elementary schools. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we try and do a real good job of is helping general education teachers discover the designer and engineer in them and to show them they can be really um, powerful STEM mentors uh, with young children. And you know the, that's the that's really that's the um, basic philosophy that we approach things with is we want 
every child to see themselves as a designer and engineer and that they have that uh, capacity within them. And we want all teachers to understand that they can be uh, powerful mentors in STEM in children's lives. So, okay, so um, how, how, how do you do that? How do, you, how do you bring that out of those teachers? Well, you know, the, the first thing that we do with a group of teachers is we do a, um, a little routine that we call Let's Make a Hammer. And uh, we just put one of, our, uh, one of our student design systems in front of them, one that's, that's really designed for children in K through 5. And we show them a couple of things about it, how the pieces go together. And then we say, okay, now make a hammer. And they make a hammer, and then they all make models of hammers because they, um, because Lego is so dominant in our culture, everybody thinks that construction toys are for making visual models of things. So everybody makes a hammer. They look like hammers. And then we ask them to use them. Of course, as soon as they hit the table, they fly apart. <laughs> So then we demonstrate two things to them. One is that we didn't have to explain to them what a hammer was. They all had an image of a hammer in their mind, and they were able to express that design mm -hmm. using our media with only two or three minutes of instruction. And then we show them some more technical things about the media, how you can make really strong things out of Rockenbach, and we have them design a hammer that's much stronger. Okay. And then we go on to teach them. Then we have them design the hammer with empathy. We say, okay, now your client's a kindergartner, so, you know, what sort of characteristics would a kindergartner want in a hammer? And we have them design the hammer for small hands. And then we have them design, redesign the hammer one more time for cost. Each piece is worth a dollar. So how do you design a strong hammer for a kindergartner at, at reasonable cost? And, you know, this all takes about a half an hour. And so within a half an hour, they've learned a lot about our system. They've learned a lot about the fact that they are designers and engineers. And that, that these things that they, you know, that they've just learned how to teach, how to design something for strength, for empathy, and for cost sure. in 30 minutes. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. perfect. Well, and, you know, my guess is that many times when you, especially general ed and, you know, aiming at, at elementary, my guess is that many of those teachers probably really hadn't even thought of, let alone possibly had even heard any of those terms expressed that way, now all of a sudden they've got this vocabulary, vocabulary they didn't even have before. That's, that's interesting. You know, a lot of the teachers, you know, they, they for the same reasons that, that kids opt out today, they decided to stop playing with technical things a long time ago. And so they come to the, they see themselves as people that don't do technical stuff. They do humanities or you know, whatever. And so you just have to, you know, reconnect them and ask them to see themselves differently, that they actually can teach STEM and, and you, and you can make that shift, help them make that shift in their minds pretty quickly. Yeah. That's... So have you built, have you built into the system using that same premise of building a hammer with the teachers? Is that how you determine which fluencies are missing or say um, underserved for the students? You know, the, the only way you can determine which fluencies are missing is with, you know, that Rockenbach is not an activity. It has to be mentored. And so you've got to be with the kids and working with the kids in their sizes. And then you observe and you can see what's going on. And, and the same is true with adults. You can pretty quickly see who spent a lot of time, you know, constructing things, whether it's an Ikea, Ikea furniture or, 
you know, who's really comfortable with certain concepts and who has shied away from it for whatever reason. You know, I always theorize that, you know, some teacher that we're trying to teach had a fight with her little brother over Legos, and her dad said to her, you know, 20 years ago, leave your brother alone and go play with your Barbies, and it's the last time she ever touched a right. technical product. Right. And so right. you've, got to, you've got to reconnect that educator to the fact that they can do this stuff. But, the, yeah, the, the, those fluencies, you, you're going to fill them in just by observing and helping the children when you can see their learning edge. You, you look for each child's learning edge and help them through it. And that fills in the fluencies. So when you are working with a school, especially say for the first time, or maybe not even the first time, maybe you've you've worked with the teachers, um, is that uh, looking for those deficiencies in those fluencies uh, at the student level? Is that something that that you guys actually help with, or is that something that you give the tools to the teachers, and then the teachers? figure out those deficiencies and then either the teachers come back and, and work on enhancing those uh, deficiencies or is that something where they call you back in and say, okay, we've got this, we believe these are the deficiencies, we need your help now at the student level? So our main goal in working with teachers is to get them to be comfortable and see Rockenbach as a resource. There's, um, you know, there's, hundreds of hours of curriculum on our website that they can use. Sure. But just using our curriculum is, is it's, it's a great scaffold, but it's when they start to use it creatively to, to create design challenges for, the, for their students and use it creatively in a way that's most comfortable for them. So if we can get teachers comfortable in using our system as a resource, then um, and they get into the practice of it, they'll see what's needed. I mean, they're used to they're used to differentiating between their students. Um, they're good teachers. And so as they get accustomed to using Rockenbach as a resource, it's easy for them to spot where they need to intervene. Sure. Yeah. You know, that's one of the biggest things that impressed me is um, I, I joined the website and filled out all the information so I could log in. And the teacher uh, resources under the STEM maker curriculum is expansive. It's huge. You guys have really done your work there. I'm, I'm very impressed with that. There's a good story behind that. Um, we started into doing this research some years ago, but we really couldn't. One day we got this call from a professor at Pittsburgh State University in Kansas. And he was, he was kind of angry with us because we had we had abandoned our radio frequency control system for our robotics and moved on to infrared control. And he was, he wanted to complain because we hadn't moved our tower crane over into infrared and he was using it for an intermodal transportation class uh, in his classroom. And, um, and Mike Needham was, uh, he teaches at the Kansas Technology Center, graduating teachers with uh, degrees in applied uh, STEM education. And so I was, then I started telling Mike about, you know, our challenges and trying to figure out how to bring our system to the classroom. And he said, well, why don't you come out here to Pittsburgh, Kansas, and I'll show you how we've been doing that for the last 10 years yeah. at the Kansas Technology. <laughs> so these con the concepts of mobile STEM lab and the concept of the STEM maker curriculum actually came from Professor Needham and Pittsburgh State University. They're not our, you know, they're concepts that we've adopted 
and dove into deeply, but we learned them. Uh, we learned them in, in Kansas. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. That's, cool. <laughs> that's a great story. Um, you know, uh, let me jump back to my show notes. That got me. That got me thinking. So, um, one of the biggest deals is you guys are constantly moving forward. Uh, you're, you're changing. It's progressive. Your whole STEM movement with everything you do. Because I know one of your big things coming out here really soon is the programmable robotics um, that are coming out, and I think that's. That's soon, isn't it? Is, is that up on a Kickstarter page, isn't it, for programmable? It is. We've got a Kickstarter campaign around it right now. Yeah. So that's... We expect... Oh, good. So I was just going to say we expect to be delivering the the Rockduino programmable robotics um, early next year. And that's that, awesome. That reminds me, the, since you guys are so progressive, I also noticed when I went to the website, um, my superintendent was actually sitting with me. And we went to the website, and I clicked Student Resources, and he said, hey, click that thing that says 3D Virtual Parts Library. And, you know, there's a big sell. Superintendents as CEOs of schools, they know what's going on, but they don't necessarily get, you know, their hands dirty. They just, they have the people to do that. So, <laughs> but he was super impressed, as am I, with your 3D Virtual Parts Library. I mean, that expands the ability to use your system, I mean, infinitely. And I, I was wondering, how often do you guys update the parts library? Is it like when something new comes out, do you guys throw, throw it out there for student resources? Yeah, it, it's actually a pretty easy thing for us to do because we we were like I think one of the first couple dozen SolidWorks installations in the country. Mm-hmm. You know, say so we started the engineering of the system back in 1995. Wow! So everything's always been done in solid modeling using SolidWorks as our engineering workstations. And so going from our engineered parts to something that's usable by a student is just a matter of a, a little bit of work translating the part into the, the various files. That's pretty cool. That is very cool. Um, uh, so when you say that, so what? So SolidWorks has is, is been your platform for that long. Um, when you come into a school, do you guys get asked to do that? So if, uh, say, my school decided, hey, let's do this, um, what's the progression that happens with partnering with Rokenbach? Well, usually the you know it's uh, the first part is just understanding the needs of the school, what grades are being covered, what the demographics of the um, students are, um, what the te- what the teaching staff is like, who in the teaching staff has experience or doesn't have experience with applied STEM, and then from there we usually design a resource center. So um, generally speaking, sometimes Rokenbach's put into a STEM lab or a makerspace. But more often than not, it's put into a resource center in the library or someplace else, and then it gets rolled from classroom to classroom and used in just regular classrooms. Uh-huh. Um, so we, we design a resource center that will meet the needs of the school from you know, K through whatever or, or third through six or whatever the school might be. And then from there, we customize uh, a training. We come in and, and train um, whichever portion of the teaching staff is interested and, um, and go through and get them prepared, we give them enough training so that they'll be able to pull down from our website any of our curriculum and use them successfully. That's awesome. I mean, that really is. That is. Well, it, it's, a full, it's a full program. Right. I mean, it's, it's exactly. So what do you find now? Do you find makerspaces becoming a, kind of a hot topic? Do you see that one being more than just resource center-based? You know, it, it, I I can't. We've only really we've been in pilot for uh, until January of this year. We were working with a lot of 
the Catholic schools in San Diego and the San Diego library system and mm -hmm. a few other schools around the country. But we really only launched the full program um, in January of this year, and the program's not even complete. In a sense, until we have our robotic shipping early next year, then we'll have our complete program. Um, and it's just a, there's no pattern that I can discern yet. We're in schools, we're in libraries, we're in children's museums. Um, the pattern, I mean, the most important pattern that we see is just our ability to get um, mentors that didn't think they could be STEM mentors, getting happy and comfortable and seeing themselves differently. And then our ability to have kids see themselves as design and engineers. And we're just, I think we're pretty adept at that. But I'm not quite sure where it's going to be most popular or how it's going to be used yet because we're going into so many different situations. Sure. Well, and along those same lines, um, I would I'd, I would stake quite <laughs> quite a bit on the the fact that you will most likely be surprised by some of the places where the things that you're doing and the programs that you're providing uh, are implemented in ways and in and in uh, facilities uh, and with individuals that you probably never even saw on your radar you know you know, right now you know you're focusing on students and teachers and yeah you you know I'm sure you're seeing a little bit of the kind of the periphery of those but my guess is that uh, once this really starts you know once you've got your uh, robots available and, and the whole program is available as kind of a one-stop shop you know here we go we can we can show you how to do all of this that you're gonna you're gonna end up being contacted by folks that you know, are way outside of the box where you were sort of thinking. I mean, you know, I mean, in a weird sort of way, I could see, I mean, you know, I could see uh, some corporation who is trying to get their folks to kind of see themselves differently. I could see them bringing in a program like this and, you know, are they going to be teaching it? No, not necessarily. Are they going to be, you know, mentoring? No, not necessarily. Although, you know, who knows, maybe they will be, you know. But by the same token, I could see where someone, you know, if I were in charge of a group of folks uh, and, I, and I was trying to get them to see themselves, maybe their, their skill sets or maybe their um, different, uh, just basically alleviate some of the limitations that they kind of put on themselves, I mean, I could see something like this coming in, and this is how we'd spend, you know, an afternoon staff meeting. Mm -hmm. Guess what? We're going to build hammers. They're going to be like, what are you talking about? And then by the end of the day, go, oh, my gosh, this is, you know, this is awesome. Yeah, one of our directors um, is a, a consultant. He does a lot of consulting for one of the big banks, I think, based in St. Louis, and they're using Rock and Bach to do leadership training. And yeah, then another director go. ended up doing the, the Let's Make a Hammer um, uh, activity with uh, with her church with all of the volunteers in their church that they were trying to create a different mindset i forget exactly what the goal was but they used let's make a hammer to set the stage so yeah i i think that that's the that can happen too but i have to say what i'm most excited about is this ability to um you know i, I want to give kids x-ray vision i i see how children have lost connection to where technology comes from mm. a lot of times when i go in to teach the first question I ask the, the children is, well, who brought the tools today? And they all look at each other, and I said, you guys were supposed to bring the tools. And they go, well, we didn't bring any tools. And I'll say, well, what about your shoes? What about your pencil? What about your eyeglasses? You know? And then, and then I'll ask them, well, didn't you use your tools to eat your breakfast? 
Right. They don't think of their knife and their fork as technology. Right. And then, and then, or then, then I'll hold up my iPhone and I'll say, you know, is this one thing or many things? And they'll go, well, it's one thing. I go, no. How many how many radio systems are in are in an iPhone? You know, well, there's three. You know, and how many components? There's a camera system and all these electronics. So you know what we're what we're, the mission we're on is to have children have a better understanding, have X-ray vision in this terribly technical world that we have. And I'm just really excited about our fact to uh, the fact that we seem to have found you know after all these years of building the system, we've got just a wonderful process for helping children have this X-ray vision. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's a ton of fun. <laughs> yeah, that also helps. <laughs> that, you know, that's interesting you'd say that. I, I think that that's the biggest deal with uh, this generation. My generation was, I, I can't tell you how many radios I tore apart. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, you know, I grew up, my dad owns a body shop. So I was lucky enough to realize pretty early on that, wow, there's thousands of parts that go into one car and one make. And that used to be... A big deal my dad would tell me is that, you know, somebody makes this handle for the inside of this car to open the door. And that's a factory job that, you know, someone designs the handle and someone makes the handle and someone designs the equipment to make the handle. Right. And I, I think you're right. Our kids have forgotten this. And, and you sent me some stuff earlier. I, I want you to tell us a little bit more about it, about your son's fourth grade class. They designed their own skateboards. Back in the day, I'd like to say I actually skated at the same skate park at Tony, as Tony Hawk. That was a long time ago. I was much younger and a lot less fatter. And um, <laughs> but and then I noticed. But you sent me a video of the kids designing their own skate park. Uh, can you give me some more on that? That was really awesome. Yeah. So um, our ten-year-old Roberto's got this really cool teacher. He goes to um, High Tech Elementary. Both our kids go to High Tech Elementary, which is a project-based school um, here in San Diego. And so the, the fourth graders project for this, um, this trimester was to make their own skateboards. And they went to skateboard factory and visited with professional skaters and all that sort of thing. And they made their own skateboards. And his teacher asked me if we could come in and use Rockenbach to study some of the technology behind skateboards. So we started studying simple machines and we made a study of inclined planes. And then um, we also did pulleys because I wanted the children to see different ways that one can create mechanical advantage. So we spent a, a number of class sessions studying these things, but then we did a design challenge. We started um, on Tuesday, and I going back tomorrow. Um, and But the design challenge was to make a skate park and an emergency crane that could roll over the skate park to rescue an injured skater. Mm -hmm. So we had different <laughs> wow. teams doing different things. So, you know, one team was constructing the bowl, and then other teams were making ramps for... Uh, skaters of various abilities, and so we gave them ratios of mechanical advantage, of steepness, that they would make the various ramps, and they had to be certain sizes that would connect to the pre-established height of the of the rim of the bowl, and and then there was a team that was making this emergency crane that was going to use pulleys to rescue an injured skater, and then it just went, you know, we've got, and I'd never done this before, it was this idea of using Rockenbach as a resource. We started with some curriculum, but then we just hit, you know, the, um, Natalie Ali and I, Beto's teacher and I, we just invented this design challenge and hoped it would go okay. And it was <laughs> kind of crazy and a bit chaotic, but the kids just did great. Yeah, and you, you lit a lot of fires there. That's really exciting. You know, I think that's the interesting part now that we've got to speak to you and get a real understanding in the heart of the company 
it's 20%, yeah, it's 10% product, 90%, you know, care and education. Mm-hmm. That's really what it is. You're, you're, you make a wonderful product, but now getting to talk with you and learning about the company, you guys are in it for the long haul, and I see why you're in it for the long haul. You're here to make sure that these, these kids grow up to be roboticists and grow up to be engineers and mechanical engineers and electrical engineers and things like that. And at least understand their potential. Well, and the other the other side of that is they may not become any of those things, but they are going to have the knowledge the that you know, yeah, the knowledge and the tools that they understand. Like you said, they, they they'll have the X ray vision, even if that X ray vision doesn't lead them down that particular path. You know, no matter what they do, they're still going to have that. Uh, those concepts that they have learned and they, they will take with them forever. Yeah. It, I, you know, I've always been, I guess, idealistically um, kind of against consumerism. So we, you know, we've always talked about families and customers and clients, not about consumers, you mm-hmm. know? And, and, uh, and so I think that what we're doing, you, you, that you're right. Even if children don't end up being engineers and scientists, if they understand the technical world, if they can have x-ray vision and can see through things, they can understand why a Ford Focus electric is so much cooler than a Ferrari, you know, and, and if you can't see through the skin of the car, you don't understand what's so cool about that little Ford Focus electric and how few moving parts it's got and how much longer it's going to last and, you know, how you'll never have to do an oil change or, or, uh, you know, or, or uh, get new brakes. But if you can't see it, you're just subject to kind of brand and, and uh, cultural uh, forces that may be out of your control. So I think that's really what we're doing for a broad swath of kids is just helping them understand the world that they're in a bit better. But I also think I talk to a lot of high school teachers that are teaching engineering, and I'll ask them, you know, what percentage of the population of your high school even applies for an engineering course? And it's always some single-digit number. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know, this long-term experiment that we're engaged in is that if we can connect children to STEM when they're little, you know, when they're kindergartners and first, second, third graders, I suspect that the population of children that want to take the challenging technical courses when they get to high school and college will, will grow. And so, um, you know, we're, I think we're both helping all the children that get exposed to Rockenbach, Rockenbach have x-ray vision and, and be more comfortable in a technical world. But I also suspect that long-term, we're going to increase the pool of children that are willing to take up the tough challenges of, of technical courses, of STEM courses in high school and college. Yeah, that'll be awesome. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's one of the biggest things that we You're right. We see single digits in that, and it, it, post-secondary especially. Um, in my career, over 20 years, I think I've had four engineers you know, that I can think of that went on and became engineers, mm-hmm. you know, of some electrical engineers or, you know, computer science engineers. Sure. You know, it's interesting. This also puts us into a beautiful place. Um, 200 years ago, if you needed a tool, you probably had to make it. You know, if you were if you were moving west and you needed to build a fence, some of the stuff you had to have, you had to make. Mm-hmm. That was just the way that it went. And I think we're getting to that point now, especially with programs like this, that Every house one day will have a 3D printer, and when something breaks, the kids that have that, you know, the people that have that X-ray vision and go, you know, I think I could probably find this part and print it right here in the house and fix this piece right now. And that that's a really big deal, and I think that this is the kind of program that, like Paul says, gives the gives them the X-ray vision to see 
yeah. through that. So yeah. it's not just let's, let me go buy something else or throw away the whole thing because I need to buy another one because I can't fix it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really interesting. Yeah. That's very cool. Paul, um, so tell us what's moving forward with your with you guys right now through the summer. I know summer is uh, summer is always a big time, especially for schools. This is when we're doing workshops and PD and getting prepped for next year. Um, what's a big deal for you guys? Are you guys going to be at any conferences? Are you going to be doing anything where people could visit and see? Or is the website the best way to get uh, information about Rock and Bob? Yeah, I, um, I don't know of any national conferences that are on our agenda right now. We, we just finished several. But yeah, I think, I think the website is the, um, is the best way. And then we're also in the process. We've got a, a, a network of Rockenbach value-added resellers that we're establishing. We're, we cover about half the states in the country now. Um, and so that's something else. We, you know, um, we have folks that represent us that are out in the field, and that's another way that we can introduce people to Rockenbach. Uh, but the website's a, a really good way to get started. And then um, we're going to be doing a lot of work in mounting a lot more material on the website, particularly kind of how-to, like, how to clean up a rock and bot classroom at the end of a session. And get things <laughs> That's perfect. That's a good one. <laughs> well, you know, with the programmable, with the programmable robotic piece, I can build something that cleans up the classroom. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <So> <laughs> that could work out also. <laughs> but you know, the big deal here is, is that I want to remind our listeners that you, this is a nonprofit organization. Mm-hmm. Um, you're doing this for the sake of doing this. It's nonprofit. And, uh, you're, but you are getting some uh, some re, you're, you said some resellers out there. But on the website, if I'll go ahead and give everyone a quick overview, just go to for the classroom or for the home. You'll see shop now, and you can see some of the products, uh, all the products that you can purchase uh, and get for your home or for the classroom. Yeah, yeah. That's what's awesome. what's your biggest seller right now? Um, which one's the the most popular? Well, so the the. The products are sorted out between the um, toy products for the home mm-hmm. and then education products. On the education side, the um, two products are about equal in popularity. They're the Rock Blocks Mobile STEM Lab, which mm-hmm. is a K through five resource, and then the Snap Stack, which supports um, simple machines and also computer aided design and three D printing. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. And those are both very appropriately priced. I mean, you're getting such a ton of stuff for such a little price. That's really amazing. And I think that the uh, the Rock Blocks, that's a, is that a, is that a three-pack or a four-pack system? I think it's a three-pack system, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's three student modules on a mobile base. Yeah. And each student module is appropriate for four students. So a single oh. Rock Block lab will, uh, will serve 12 students, and two of them will serve 24 students. The SnapStack is actually a, a more compact lab, mm-hmm. so there's six of them on a mobile base, and so um, a single SnapStack lab will handle 24 students. Wow. Wow, that's wow. awesome. That's an entire class for right. very little money. Yeah, that's, that's very cool. That's awesome. Well, and, and not just on the money side, but also the fact that it's all easily, once you get all the pieces and parts back together again, you know, <laughs> and collected and, and sorted, you know, but but it, it's it's conveniently put together so that it doesn't take up a lot of space, you know, and it's it is organized. It's, it's a way to keep it off. It's mobile. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean that's that's awesome. Um, there was a question I had, and it just completely left my brain while you were talking. <laughs> it was a good question. Oh, um, I know what it was. No, okay. I, do, I don't know what it was. I'm sorry, Paul. I had a question. Oh, I know what it was. Uh, on the website, there is a place for grants. 
Um, if did you guys help schools out because a lot of schools do have issues with you know finding the money to purchase some of this equipment? We do, you know, we do have um, a pool of funds to help schools with their first purchase. So you know, kind of to, to get something trailed. So we've got a, a funder that helps us with that, and it's a it's a matching grant where it gets it gets matched one for two. So uh, a school can get about a third of the cost of their first purchase of a rock and rock lab. That's, that's good. Yeah. That's a that's a Great. really big deal to a lot of schools. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, especially even private schools. And you know, this is not just about public education. It's about right. Education. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all education. Yeah. yeah. So um, you were talking about Kansas. How many um, how many universities are interested in, in these also? Because you know I can see these. This isn't just for K through twelve. This is for K through whatever. I know you said that one of your advisors uses it at a, at a banking company, at a finance company. So how many universities have been interested in this? Well, I, I I think I could probably think of about a half a dozen that are using Rock and Bach in one form or another. Um, at San Diego State University, they're using uh, Rock and Bach in the um, in the program to teach science education to teachers to to um, uh, to elementary and uh, high school teachers, and then uh, it's being used at University of San Diego and of course Pittsburgh State. I think there's a Cal State Bakersfield is using it. So there's a number of universities that it can use for various purposes. That's awesome. That is awesome. That's very cool. Well, I tell you what, our time is uh, getting running down. Can you get us, tell us anything else you want to tell us. Give us a a wrap-up here. Well, I think uh, just to say a little bit about our robotic system is that it's it's really different than than other systems that are out there in that it's not a robot. It's it's just part of the rock and box system. So you get a smart block that, that has four motor interfaces, and then um, uh, eight sensor interfaces, and then you can make any sort of a robot you want, a robotic elevator, a robotic Ferris wheel, a robotic, uh, you know, my, my daughter's got a robotic closet that delivers her doll clothes to her in her room. Okay. <laughs> there's a video about the, the way the robotics is going to work on Kickstarter. So if you go to Kickstarter and search Rockenbach, you can see it. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing about our robotic system is it actually can it can actually transmit and can take control of our remote control robots. So, for example, you could have a remote control drawbridge that tells a vehicle when to start across, when to stop while the drawbridge lives, lifts or comes down and then moves ahead again. So you can actually create fields of interactive robotics because the smart clock can interact with the remote control vehicles and you can place sensors and program in any way that you want to. And then we'll have two levels of programming. We've done a custom, customized version of ArchBlock mm-hmm. for younger kids where they want to do drag and drop programming. And then, but, but behind that sits just a regular Arduino C++ programming. And so uh, students will have access to the whole open source world of Arduino uh, because our ArchBlock is just an Arduino implementation. Wow. That's really yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's awesome. So the uh, the drag and drop programming, is that uh, iOS-based, Android-based? Is, does it matter? It's it's um, it's actually Arduino based. So it's ArduBlock is or it's it's a it's a Java based routine. Oh, okay. Uh, but it but it actually generates the C code. So it uses Java to generate the C code. Okay. And it actually uses the same custom um, Arduino library that we use for Arduino program. We use it in ArduBlock. So you, it's got the same little symbols. You know our our little sensors and our motor modules. That's those are the icons that the kids are dragging. And dropping into place, and then and then setting the variables. 
That's really interesting. That is very cool. Yeah, that's yeah. very, very cool. Yeah. Good move. I mean, really. Well, um, we're going to wrap up real quick. And uh, we, it's, it, we always do this, and we realize we've been talking for quite some time. <laughs> <laughs> and we usually go over our time. Um, anything else you'd like to share with us, Paul, before we leave? Well, we sure appreciate you having us. I mean, um, you can imagine we've been working so hard on producing this system for years, and to get the chance to share it with people is, is an opportunity we, we appreciate very much. Well, we want to thank you. And yeah, thank you very much for, we're for taking time your, out of your schedule to come on here for sure. And we're definitely going to share your story as much as we can. Absolutely. And, uh, tell everyone we can run into about uh, Rock and Bach. Yeah. Awesome. Um, thanks, Paul. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks very much. You All bet. right. Take care. Hey, you're listening to EduTech Guys Radio, come to you live from the Southwest Arkansas Educational Co-op and Hope Public Schools in Hope, Arkansas. We're going to drop out real quick and catch some music from one of our artists that we like to feature, Nick C. He has an album dropping in two, two days. days. Yeah. So this is Nick C.'s song, um, uh, Completely Yours. So stay tuned to EduTech Guys. <laughs> Ain't no better feeling out 
Completely yours, that is Nick C. His album dropping in two days. It's going to drop on June 10th. You can go out to nickc.com, N-I-K-S-E-A.com, and uh, check that out. Uh, You can sign up uh, on his mailing list, and you'll be one of the first to know. He's having a really cool uh, launch party in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. That's where he lives and where he's from. (laughs) If you want to make it out there. (laughs) Hey, you know... You could do it. Our, our listeners could be out near Pittsburgh or have the wherewithal to get there and uh, check out the launch party for Nixie's album. Um, speaking of places to go and places to be, let me tell you a little bit about where we are going to be. Um, as we had mentioned earlier, next week, uh, Tuesday, we are going to be at Southwest Arkansas Education Cooperative in Hope. And we've got an, an afternoon program where we're going to be doing a three-hour workshop on podcasting in the classroom. And part of that, we will broadcast live, uh, and it just kind of be a, a special show. Um, we'll broadcast that part live, and then uh, we'll probably be live off and on as the rest of the afternoon goes and as we're demonstrating things and as we uh, help teachers learn how to incorporate podcasting in their classroom and kind of give them a taste of what it's like to record uh, a piece for a podcast. And I'm sure we'll get into some minor editing, that kind of stuff. So that's going to be a lot of fun on Tuesday. And then Wednesday and Thursday in Hot Springs, we'll be at the Hot Springs Technical Institute, Technology Institute, uh, that is HISTI. uh, And we will be live all day Wednesday and Thursday. So if you don't, if you can't get enough of us, you'll 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 you get plenty. <laughs> you'll get plenty next week. What's going to be great about that is, in fact, we've already got some folks uh, that have already signed up for slots, and so uh, we're going to be talking with presenters and vendors and participants, uh, folks, uh, attendees who uh, happen to come on by. And so they're going to share their HISTI experiences with us and with you that are listening. So that's going to be very cool. And I noticed that and the headlining entertainment for HISTI on the last night is Maxwell Blade the Magician. I'm just saying, I'm excited. Hey, that's pretty cool. Anyway, so... Uh, uh, I, I, didn't, I thought you were going with more of that. I didn't know that was... What I was going to put in there. Do okay. you know what time it is? Listen, we're, uh, we're, we're winding down quickly here. I did want to say, uh, we want to thank Paul Eichen for coming on the executive yes. director of Rockenbach. Um, nonprofit organization that is, you know, it sounds like they're, they're hard into STEM education. And it's really cool. They're into the curriculum and the learn of STEM education. And then they happen to make a product to help make that visually and, you know, aesthetically pleasing to the, those students. You know, sure. that's, so they're not just you know, selling a product, they're selling the idea and helping kids you know, get that x-ray vision for you know, engineering in the future. And I was thinking it was funny, you were talking about other places that would use it, you know, the Arkansas uh, 
uh, hub of the innovation hub in, in Little Rock. Yeah, they do some stuff like this, and I wouldn't be surprised if they might already have some of the the rock and box stuff there. If right. they don't, they probably love to have it. So well, I'll drop them a line. <laughs> hey guys, saw you this. Do that. You might want to see this. That's hey, right. um, you know what time it is? It's that time again. Google tip of the week. I, I don't know why you do that. I don't know because it's, it's okay. stupid. No, it's not stupid. It's not. <laughs> I just like to make fun of you. So this week, um, it's a fun one. Uh, it's something that uh, I thought I'd throw out here. There is a great blog called research.googleblog.com, and that is the research end of Google. And they have, they have lots of great stuff on there. Um, some of it is just way over most people's heads, <laughs> including mine. It has to do with all the programming and the coding that goes behind some of their extensions and plugins. But they also talk about their new apps and their new pieces that they throw out. So this week, uh, they released yesterday um, Motion Stills, which is an app which lets you create these beautiful GIFs from live photos. So what it does is if you have a new... Um, iPhone that does the live photo piece, it actually takes that photo, it stabilizes it, and it makes the background. You've seen those really cool GIFs, the videos where the background's still, but there's just one thing moving. Well, that's what Google uh, Motion Stills does as an app. So you can use that cool feature of taking that, uh, that live photo on your iPhone or your iOS device, which is an iPhone 6S or greater, and take that picture and then use Motion Stills app to freeze that background and image stable it, making these really cool gifts. Now, why, what would that work out for in uh, the classroom? It works out for all kinds of cool stuff. Your kids can make some really interesting graphics. And I figured it was summertime, so what a great thing to have for all your vacation photos, all the workshops and conferences that you go to. Great ways to use this. So it's called Motion Stills. You can find it in the App Store. And that is it's freaking free. cool. I mean, I had not seen it before Jeff pulled it up. And so I'm just looking at some of the uh, the animations that, you know, they show you a before and an after. That is amazing. Yeah, it really is, actually. I mean, you talk about, I mean, the, the, the amount of stabilization that this is able to pull off and make it into a beautiful yeah. animated, I mean, holy it, cow. There's what's amazing is that, that what it does with, with video you know, with live. And it, the reason it can do that is because the way live photo works. Live photo is, you know, encapsulating it in, you know, lots of little pictures. Sure. You know, it's a GIF, if you would. Not really, but it's apples. But what's great about that is to think that you're using the processing power of a handheld iOS device. Yeah. If you wanted to do something like that in the past, you know, it would take you a bank of how many machines to get that taken care of. So it's a really neat piece. Now, you're not going to do a 25-minute video with it. That's well, no. Happen, well, and that's the point. Design, yeah. You know, that's why it's it's paired up with Apple Live Photos. I mean, what's exactly. Apple Live Photos? What six seconds or yeah. whatever? I yeah. mean, you know, and, so. yeah, that's that big. So, but it is a really neat piece. I highly recommend it. It is called Google um, Motion Stills. It's on the App Store. Take a look at it, especially if you're running a an iPhone 6s or bigger, which that would that's the only thing you can get iPhone 6s or 6s Plus. Plus. So, um, if you're running one of those, you can actually do live photos and you can play with this great cool app. Um, so yeah, that's the app of the week. Hope you like it. That is very cool. Thank you. Um, listen, we're nice going to start find. to wrap this thing up and get off the <laughs> air. <laughs> and uh, listen, check us out on the web, uh, edutechguys.com. Find us on Twitter at edutechguys. Follow the hashtag, hashtag ETGChat if you want to find out what's going on. Also, you can catch us on Facebook at facebook.com slash edutechguys. Instagram, edutechguys. Hey, just as David says, Google edutechguys. I'm pretty sure will be one of the first things that pops up. We're quite popular on the Google search engine. 
<laughs> on the line. Under, yeah, <laughs> on the line. Just check us out on the line, and that's where you'll find us. <laughs> Thanks again. Um, we're we're going to get out of here. We actually have too much fun. It's summertime, so it gets even crazier. That's right. Yeah. Remember to catch us next week. We'll be at the Histy yeah. uh, on Wednesday, so you can listen to two days of coverage starting at 8 a.m. on Wednesday, June the 15th. Yeah, man. It's going to be listen, awesome. I'm Jeff Madlock. I'm David Henderson. And we'll catch you in the funny pages. You've been listening to EduTech Guys Radio, radio radio.edutechguys.com. The opinions expressed on the site and this program for those who participants are not intended to and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any specific educational entity, sponsor, company, state, or government agency. This is Ross Romano from The Authority here on the B Podcast Network. It's the show where I interview people who know what they're talking about, and no matter your role, we have some recent episodes you won't want to miss. I spoke with Mark Miller, international best-selling author and VP of High Performance Leadership at Chick-fil-A, about his brand new book, Culture Rules. Kate Everly Walker, CEO of Presence and author of The Good Boss, joined the show, and we've had conversations with Baruti Cafele, Peter DeWitt, Julie Evans, and many more. Join us each week for ideas to address your current pain points, new perspectives from authors you admire, and fresh takes from up-and-coming voices. Subscribe to The Authority Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.